Assalamu alaikum everyone. We hope that you are in the best of states of Iman and health and welcome back to a Mindful Muslims podcast where we discuss Islam, psychology, mental health and spirituality. I am Minha and today with me I have Jamila and Sarah from Inspirited Minds. No doubt mental health is a huge taboo in the older generations within our communities and whilst it may still remain under the carpet, it is creeping its way to the forefront of society, which means that young children and the youth are becoming more and more educated about mental illness in various ways. To see more info about this correlated to the media, you can check out this month's blog post to find out more details. However, there seems to be a gap somewhere in the process of education, i.e. in schools especially. There is one-to-one support available for vulnerable children and sex education now includes relationships and high schools do include mental well-being in their curriculum. But is this really mental health and what interventions are already there for children who experience symptoms of mental illness? So, Sarah and Jamila, first things first, why do you think there should be mental health interventions within a school environment in the first place? Um, so I think that there is a real need in a school environment to have um, mental health education because not only would it help people spot the signs of it and they'll be able to identify if they themselves have a mental health issue or if their friend does, but if it's spoken about more, it will become normalised and any taboos that are associated with mental health issues will start to go away and there'll be more discussions of it. Um, So I think that will help the sufferers and people who know other people that are suffering of mental health issues. What about you, Sarah? What do you think? Mm, Yeah, I agree with what Jamila said. Um, Just to add on it, I think that the earlier that someone... So the earlier someone who is experiencing the symptoms of mental health gets treatment, the better. Um, So I've read online... Uh, a number of research studies which have reported that the longer people who go without having treatment the harder it is to start the process of recovery and I think that for this reason early intervention has this purpose to give people access to treatment when they first need it and you know this can go a long way so it's better to be able to identify the first signs and then stop the problem from spiraling out of control you know when when you see like people reaching crisis points where it becomes really hard to treat or, you know, God forbid, they might have suicidal tendencies. So I think it's really important to um, for, for schools in particular to implement these early intervention strategies. Exactly, because, I mean, prevention is always better than treatment. Okay, so on, on this point, I mean, when I, when I was in school, there wasn't a lot of talk about mental health and what it exactly entails. Um, now, Natasha Devon, she's someone who delivers mental well-being and mental health classes in school. And you, you think with these new sort of methods and um, these new sort of interventions that there would be an improvement in, 
young children or youth's mental health problems, but she actually said the following. At one end of the scale, we've got four-year-olds being tested. And at the, end of the, at the other end of the scale, we've got teenagers leaving school and facing the prospect of leaving university with record amounts of debt. Anxiety is the fastest growing illness in under 21s. These things are not a coincidence. Um, what, what do you guys make of this? What do you guys think? I think, uh, especially with anxiety, our environment plays a huge role, especially with um, stress as well. So stresses can be, found in, can be found in our environment, you know, with um, the tuition fee thing that's going on right now, with like staggering amounts that students come out with, with debt and and stuff like that i think these can trigger you know anxiety or anxious thoughts which can be hard to control and um i think what we can well what schools can do or politicians in particular who are in control of you know um implementing these uh tuition fees i think they they should take into account you know um the youth or uh the, the younger generation's mental states and mental well-being when making decisions as big as this. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. And um, about what Natasha Devon said, I, I think there is some truth in it. However, I would be wary of labelling kids at such a young age. I mean, four years old and, you know, having them tested for mental health. I don't think because because it might it could mean um you know putting a four-year-old on medication or something like that I don't unless they've gone through some kind of a trauma like emotional or sexual abuse then I don't think they necessarily need to be tested but as they get older there is a huge rise in mental health issues amongst um young people um so i definitely think more funding needs to be going into schools and especially university i've just finished university and our um our well-being center was severely underfunded you had to wait about three or four months just for initial for an initial appointment and you know something like that if you've got someone like on the at a breaking point of um because they're so stressed with you know debt and just everything going on in their life that's that's you know it can lead to really bad it can have really bad consequences um so yeah yeah I agree and picking up on an earlier point that you said about labeling children I remember when I was in studying psychology in college um and obviously like the curriculum is very medicalized now it's very you know psychology is supposed to be it's it's a it's a science discipline now Mm-hmm. And I remember coming across um, a psychologist called Professor Kraz, um, and he was one of the very few uh, sort of psychologists who said that, like he he sort of spoke about in particular about ADHD, and he sort of said, you know, is it is ADHD just a label because you know how do you not expect a kid to be hyperactive and you know not have yeah. a great attention span, and you know it's really really interesting because you know that leads me to the next question is. You know, do you think there is a need for mental health in- interventions for for young children? So, so like you said, age four, so from nursery age upwards, or do you, do you think it should be delayed? You know, um, and as you said about children who receive um, abuse from from in their home life, you know, how do how would we identify that if there wasn't mental health interventions for young children? 
Um, I mean, if someone's, if a child has experienced trauma or abuse, like I said, like if they have a parent dying, you know, something like that, or a close, something happening to a close relative, then they are probably very in need of mental health treatment, but not necessarily, you know, going on medication or something like that, but just therapy and something to so they can express themselves rather than keeping it inside and something that could perhaps later in life lead to more serious mental health uh, issues. But, um, you know, with what you were saying about ADHD and um, because I know some people, some parents put their children on medication for ADHD and if it's just, you know, how, how do you tell the difference between a child at four who's just a bit, excitable and a child who's actually you know got a concentration problem I don't think you know at nursery school is the best time to decide maybe once they're in primary school and they're you know six seven years old when they've when they've had time to develop their concentration skills and if they still can't seem to sort of adapt to that then maybe look further and see if they do have mental health issues yeah, I think on that point, um, with our interventions, we don't actually need to be so strict and rigid, you know, like um, implementing medication. We can, you know, implement more creative and fun strategies that can be, you know, perhaps suggested by the child themselves if, you know, they're at that age where they can communicate. Or, like, we can, we can accommodate and cater better to um, children's needs by just, you know, observing what they're like or what they find therapeutic. So I know I work with um, children with learning difficulties and disabilities, and I know that one child, he finds uh, drawing and colouring books really therapeutic, so the, ch- the teachers in, the, in that school allow that. So I think we, we don't actually need to be so strict with our mental health. I think we can, you know, um, create better outcomes and recovery by listening to listening to the child basically going going on from this um so there's there's something um within like the department of education there's a handbook that's called you know um that's called mental health and behavior in schools um and they have they've they've separated risk and protective factors into four categories and i personally think that they're very broad and I'm more of a dynamic sort of person and a con- I, I come from the position that mental health is on a continuum. So they've separated it, you know, completely. Um, and I'll just read the categories out to you. So the risk factors in the child. So this includes stuff like genetic influences, learning disabilities, uh, temperaments, physical illness and academic failure. So, you know, bear in mind academic failure for a very young child at the age of four, you know, you have to consider what what is their academic failure exactly. Um, and in the family, you have um, sort of domestic violence, family breakdown, um, abuse, sexual uh, neglect or emotional abuse or um, family history of mental illness. And then in the school, there's bullying, discrimination, peer influences and like poor pupil to teacher relationships. And then within the community, the risk factors are, you know, socioeconomic disadvantage, um, discrimination and like other other life significant life um, events. 
I mean, you guys have had a look at them and the protective factors. What are your thoughts? Do you think they're comprehensive enough? Do you, I mean, like to me, it just, it just sounds like the same as, you know, a, an older child or even an adult, that the risk factors are the same. I'm, I'm not exactly professional, but I don't know. I would have thought that the risk factors for children would have been a bit more uh, pinpointed, if that makes sense. Mm. Um, I don't really agree with having um, binary uh, selections or categories for mental health because I think, you know, I agree with your point of mental health being really complex and we can't really, and having it on a continuum rather than categories. I think that, you know, we should um, we should have more research into this and have um, more input from the actual person who's suffering mental health. So getting statements from them or, you know, finding out what they're experiencing and listening to their needs. And um, on the point of, you know, having a pastoral team, you know, which knows every every single student's history or background or patterns of behaviour, whilst I was... So I got this from whilst I was looking at the government handbook. I think, you know, I'm I'm not too sure how realistic it is to know every single detail about someone. I think there comes to a point where you have to say stop this is too much information that isn't actually necessary to know I think you know we all have a right to privacy as well some people might think that knowing everything about a person can help but I don't actually agree with that I think you can still help an individual without knowing every single bit of bits of detail about them and you know sometimes people don't actually want to share all of that information in the first place and we should therefore respect their right to privacy yeah, um, I agree with what you were saying, Minha, um, about how it 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 doesn't seem focused enough on children in particular, and that there should be a difference between mental health in older people or just even older children and younger children, especially when they're talking about testing, you know, nursery age children for mental health um, issues, but also. You know, there is a difference between people saying uh, or the government saying, yes, this is what we're going to do. But in reality, how is it going to be implemented? Because the the effectiveness of these strategies will be in its implementation, you know, and that I don't know if if it's going to work if they haven't actually tested it. That uh, that kind of sounds like the wrong word, but if it if it hasn't. If it hasn't been tested, then how do we know this is going to work? And is it ready to be rolled out as a mental health initiative across, you know, many schools? Um, so that that's a question which arised when I um, had a look at that. I mean, it's very interesting what, what Sarah um, actually said. And I've never seen it from that perspective before, in all honesty, about not knowing uh, everything about somebody in order to help them. Because, of course, you know, classic uh, sort of talking therapies that involves a lot of... Uh, a lot of the the person who's receiving their the therapy to talk about everything that bothers them or the negative thinking and that can sometimes be rooted into things that they don't want to talk about and then you know some therapists would see this as a barrier and they'd they'd say you know no we need to communicate more so it's very interesting I think that's that's a, a very controversial topic of whether you actually do need to get to know someone to help them or whether you just need to know the basics.
and just looking at the the sort of risk factors and the protective factors again a lot of the stuff that they're saying like the bullying the discrimination the um uh risk factors that they're saying I mean that's like to me that's like basic high school culture right like bullying and peer pressure so is that I mean yet while it may be a risk factor to mental health but it could be a risk factor to other things as well if that makes sense and the protective factors I mean in all in all honesty they they're really poor um so stuff like um experiences of success and achievement well if a child is a low achiever how is he going to experience that because of the standards that they have in in schools nowadays and you know the minimum grade that they need to achieve and you know these uh these reports and uh these parent evenings and things like that if if you're constantly going to put a child down will they ever experience that success and and that achievement and then another protective factor is faith or spirituality now all of us as muslims i know i was i grew up in a very sort of white area state school um and talking about faith or spirituality even in re lessons it was never a comfortable thing for me so it's very interesting how these you know these protective factors that they're saying are not actually being implemented like you said jamila okay so already within schools to help with mental health issues amongst children um so the pastoral team that you mentioned earlier Sarah that's already there um but there's also a questionnaire called the strength and difficulties questionnaire where pupils answer a set of questions that will determine whether they are normal borderline or abnormal what what do you guys make of this is it is it realistic and i know studying psychology and research methodology i mean questionnaires just send alarm bells blaring mm, um i think so i mentioned this earlier um categorizing mental health isn't really a good idea i think we should listen more to you know rather than having like rigid strategies already there i think we should take a um yeah a holistic approach and also like we should listen more to the individual who is experiencing the mental health problem because i think that they know best what they're going through rather than us trying to you know by having these categories and these symptoms i think it's better to listen to what they're going through and from their own words rather than trying to impose you know something that's already there by by writing it down basically yeah um i don't i don't really like the idea of a questionnaire especially on young children and plus you know when i was at school and we were given something like a questionnaire i don't know if i'd be fully honest like writing it down because you didn't want someone else to see or you know you're not necessarily comfortable writing it down um so i think that definitely they need to look at another way of of um sort of seeing whether or not a child has mental health problems the pastoral team is a good idea but i don't think it's realistic to expect you know what will be a team of sort of five people say in a secondary school or in a primary school you know there can be up to 500 people that's you know one person supposed to analyze everyone like a hundred people's situation know their names know exactly what's going on at home i'm not sure that that's realistic but you know i guess it's a step forward at least that at least something's being done but i don't necessarily think that that's the right thing yeah i agree um i mean when when i was in high school um 
as I was leaving, there was something implemented which was very sort of new. It was called like peer mentoring, like the older the older year 11s would volunteer themselves to help the new year 7s settle into the school and like take them on tours and be like, you know, like a buddy system. And that that kind of work because I mean if I if when I was in year seven and I and I was to have a peer mentor you know I think I would have found that really really helpful so but I the struggle I found is when I when I volunteered to become a peer mentor is that the children didn't want to talk you know the year sevens they didn't want to talk about anything you know if you ask them if you're stressed if you're bothering anything that this this could be down to shyness or it could be down to intimidation you don't know but I feel that if if it was a normalized thing that was instilled in them to talk about things like that from a young age then maybe perhaps they would have found it easier to talk to people because it's not like we were strangers like we'd, we'd be buddy system with them throughout the whole year but there was never this sort of let's talk about something that's bothering you kind of thing and that's that goes for the same for bullying as well like no one ever wanted to talk about who's getting bullied and why they're getting bullied yeah no, I definitely agree with that. I think that it's hard for children to find someone who they trust and can confide in in a school environment. Um, so I don't think forcing it through a questionnaire or through a specific pastoral te- like pastoral person is necessarily a good idea. Yeah, I think it's generally it's an issue everywhere, even in the therapist's office or room. Um, people do find it hard to open up about mental health and you know this is probably a result of all the stigma that is going on on social media um, in the media and within society itself I think um, we should definitely you know focus some effort on trying to break that stigma and you know perhaps we can start by thinking about treating mental health with the same respect that we treat physical health for example on, on this point you know it's very very interesting um so like if a child has you know if, if somebody broke their leg whilst in school they'd get you know a certain amount of time off if they're ill they get a certain amount of time off and it would be classed as a justified absence whereas I mean I had a friend uh who was severely anorexic in high school um and she discussed this with her teachers and things like that but it was never a justified absence so her you know attendance report I mean it sounds like you know very you know very uh, a small issue but her attendance report you know that rocketed downwards so it's very interesting how we're not you know children and young children are given the same leave for mental health problems that they experience that they would for physical illnesses mm. yeah no definitely i agree so is there any additional things that you guys would like to see or areas you think need to be improved on? Um, and, you know, as potential mothers one day, what would you guys want for your children to experience in that in that high school sort of atmosphere? I think I think I definitely believe that we as humans, we have you know a duty to look out for one another or ideally it would be it would be great if we all had that mindset realistically i'm not too sure you know if that's actually true where um, everyone has the same idea of you know um everyone is your brother or sister ideally it'd be you know great it'd be great to have that but um so i think you know teaching teaching children to look out for one another rather than you know putting each other down or competing with one another rather than 
you know, rather than all of this, we should teach them to be supportive instead. We should we should really enforce these values. I mean, I think we've all heard of um, that statement where, I mean, it's not entirely true, but you know, children start off, children start off as a blank state, and then you, um, you know, teach them values and lessons which and experiences that they go through, which all build their character. So I think um, it's definitely worth helping helping our children out and because we know more as well as adults by you know um teaching about mental health at an early age and then perhaps with more awareness we can actually start to make progress about breaking the stigma inshallah yeah i definitely agree with that particularly about um your last point about breaking the stigma um because I think our generation is definitely the one that can change things and, you know, can make a difference when it comes to our children and tackling stuff like mental health. Um, But I do think there needs to be more help given in schools and universities, um, more funding towards mental health um, and especially colleges and sixth forms, because what I found was that pastoral care at school was very good. We had, you know, a place where you could go um, if you needed support um, and it was there and it there was a, a fixed welfare team and, you know, everyone knew who they were so you could go and talk to them. Whereas I found once I left school and I went to college and then university, the pastoral care certainly decreased and I couldn't tell you where my pastoral unit was in college and I feel like you know when you go to college you are more independent and there's a big jump between GCSEs and A-levels and I think that's where you definitely need some form of pastoral care Um, but it wasn't necessarily there so I think that's something that needs to be improved on. Yeah, I agree about about the college thing. Actually, now looking back, I hundred percent agree with that. Um, and it's really funny because it, in college, like stress and you know, um, uh, have being sensible on your night outs and blah blah blah, things like that are so promoted, whereas they don't have the the backdrop that high school high school had but then the high school curriculum mental health and things like that aren't actually taught that much so it's very bizarre how like the total opposites but they don't have the appropriate um sort of support that that's behind it if that makes sense I don't know it's very bizarre um but anyway alhamdulillah a lot of interesting things were discussed today mashallah um and it's a shame we couldn't go into a lot more detail because i feel that there was so much more that we could have discussed but anyhow jazakallah khair for all those who have listened um please do share and participate in the discussion in the comments below on the website and if you have any ideas for future podcasts then do let us know by emailing info at uk, or you can visit us on any social media please remember us in your duas and from the whole of inspirited minds assalamu Guide me all the way to your Jannah, yeah Allah, yeah Allah. Don't let me go astray, cause I need you by my side. I wish to be the Lord.